It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. It is January. It's a tough old month for everybody. Uh, not paid until late in the month. The weather's not brilliant at the moment. But we can brighten up January for you. We can indeed with Globe Travel. Yes, just reminding you again, we have a fantastic prize. We're offering return flights with Emirates from Dublin to Dubai for two people and a four-night stay at a luxury hotel. Wow, what a prize that is. And it comes to you courtesy of Emirates and Globe Travel. All you have to do today is WhatsApp or text Globe Travel, the words Globe Travel, to 086-1800-658 with your name and details. And then next week on Late Launch, we'll be calling randomly some of the people who enter this competition. And when we call you next week, you have to answer the phone with a little song. You have to sing... Fly me to Dubai. That's what you have to do when you answer the phone next week. If you say anything else, you're out. But if you do that, you're in the hat for the draw. And the the numbers we get next week, we'll put them all into the hat who sing the song. And somebody will win that wonderful prize on late lunch. So the best of luck to you. So get WhatsApping and texting straight away with Globe Travel. And you'll be in the mix, hopefully, next week. Welcome to the show this Tuesday afternoon, and I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch a man who made a huge impression on us last year. When I tell you that he's an American in Ireland, he's chairman of the Irish Military Heritage Foundation, he was an assistant commissioner in New York City, a planner, and a radar man and operations specialist, commander with the US Navy. Well, that's only some of the accolades this man possesses. John Shanahan, welcome back. Happy New Year to you. Hi, Jerry. Hello to you and to all of the listening audience. I am delighted to be back here. And I have to tell you, I'm really sorry that all of those in the listening audience didn't have a chance to see Jerry's wonderful gestures as he delivered the, the ad for Bye Bye Dubai. And so we're going to be all singing that together with you next week, Jerry. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> You're giving away me, Elsie. But you know yourself, the, the old uh, demonstrative nature of this business, you know, gets it across, I think, a little bit that's better, right. doesn't it? It does, it does indeed. indeed. Anyway, you're welcome to the show. And the reason you're here with me today, I follow you closely on social media and you're a very interesting man and you you have a lot to say about a lot of things that are happening in Ireland and the world. But the other day you posted about this shocking situation in Iran that's developed since the killing of Qasem Soleimani. 
and you have very strong words to say about your president, Mr. Donald Trump, and what's happening. Maybe you just uh, summarise for listeners what you've had to say and how you're feeling about this, being an American. Well, Jerry, thanks for the opportunity to say so. Um, You know, I think the, the, the Irish would long be able to say for literally generations and hundreds and hundreds of years that we are all connected. The Irish diaspora, uh, of which I'm one coming back here, uh, certainly understands that when those green airplanes leave the airport and go around, around different places of the world, and then we come back, we are all people connected around the world. And so what I have to say and the things that I have to say in the, in the writings that I put out reflect not only a little bit of my personal situation, but they also reflect uh, a bit of, of, a, of a wandering Irishman who's been in a lot of places in this world and just about all corners of the world, save perhaps just Australia and India. But, um, you know, I am reminded of how connected we are. And to make that point then, what in the Dickens is going on in the Middle East? What is, what is happening in the Middle East? And why is it important, not only to me as an American living in Ireland, why is it important for the Irish listeners on this radio audience to understand what's going on and to take on board the, the very genuine concerns that I think we should all have about this situation. Now, let's just talk a little bit about some of my views. Uh, first of all, I think that uh, there's no apologies for the conduct of General Soleimani. He is and has been for quite some time a well-known uh, leader of a very brutal Quds force in Iran. But in perspective, Uh, We have to ask the question, how did things get to be the way they are in Iran, Uh, which is is the modern-day name for a country that we used to call Persia? And, you know, interestingly enough, yesterday was the Feast of the Magi, uh, the three wise men. And where did the three wise men come from? They came from Persia. And so this is a very, very old civilization that is very much multiracial, multiethnic, a lot of religious strife going on inside that country, but they've generally managed to keep things under control, except when the Yanks arrive. Uh, The Yanks, and I might add the Brits, because um, a lot of our problems began with the uh, with, with oil in Iran. The Brits were there uh, in a company now known as BP, um, and there were uh, there were a lot of upheavals with the government then. And then by the time that we got to the 50s, the United States has en- had engineered an overthrow of the Iranian government. So we've had our hands, we the Americans have had our hands in the Iranian upheaval for a very, very long time, beginning really with the time of President Eisenhower. Um, it got uh, it got even more complicated during the uh, later on with with the Iran hostage crisis because again why did that take place it took place because the Americans were involved in the overthrow of the Shah uh, and the, then the move internally within Iran to create a theocracy a religious government so that's been in place ever since that, that time about 1970 and then later on we had the what's called the Iran Contra scandal during the Reagan administration when uh, the Reagan administration was supplying guns to the Iranians uh, and washing the money through Nicaragua uh, there's a long history with that and then more recently uh, the uh, the events that have taken place just this last week so We, the Americans, come to Iran and the Middle East with an awful lot of baggage, and now we're having to assess what does that all mean. 
I begin with a, a posting that came in at 11.43 this morning, and that was from the American Embassy in Dublin, not anyplace else, right here in Dublin. And what was it? It was a warning to all Americans residing here in Ireland to be on the lookout for any problems with respect to unrest in the Middle East. It was a very diplomatically worded thing, but it was certainly a signal we've got problems in the United with American relations, certainly in Iran and Iraq. So what, what do I think about it all? First of all, I, I think it was an unfortunate event and an unfortunate timing. I don't regret the this American's decision to take him out, uh, but I think that the timing is very questionable, and it raises a couple of collateral questions that I think our listeners will be interested in. The first collateral question it raises is whether or not this was done purposely timing-wise to distract the American government and the people of the United States from the very real prospect of the impeachment of Donald Trump. Um, Trump is is, uh, seriously been impacted by uh, the impeachment that took place before Christmas. And very interestingly enough, in just the last week or two, since Christmas itself, we've seen a couple of very interesting pieces of news come forward. The first is that there appears to be now additional evidence of further misconduct by Trump and his administration, hard evidence, firsthand evidence, that may result in yet another process of impeachment. In other words, before the, the impeachment trial is actually held in the Senate, I think most everybody knows it's a two-step process. Impeachment takes place in the lower house, the House of Representatives, very much akin to an indictment. Then it goes to the upper house, the Senate, for a trial. Well, that trial is still on delay right now because the articles of impeachment have not been sent forward. It is entirely possible that Mr. Trump may be impeached again in the lower house before before that trial takes place. Secondly, a very key person who in, in the, only in the last few weeks said he wouldn't testify, has now changed his tune and said he is willing to testify if subpoenaed. And that's John Bolton, former uh, national security advisor to Mr. Trump, another one of the many Trumpians who've come in and gone out of that revolving door in the White House. And so we have uh, Trump, I think, playing a defense game with, uh, uh, with his initiatives in the Middle East. What are the consequences of that? Let's just do some numbers for a minute. Let's say that there are 5,000 Americans who've been dispatched to uh, uh, Iran to try and secure the embassy. You will recall that the embassy had been stormed uh, before, just, just, to, just before all of this took place. If those 5,000 Americans go into harm's way and there's a casualty rate of 5%, will Mr. Trump stand on the, on the, airway, in the airport ramp at Dover Air Force Base in Delaware to welcome back 250 caskets? where they were on their way to the mortuary at Dover Air Force Base. Those are the, those are the kinds of stakes we're talking about. And I don't think those things were thought through at all. And interestingly enough, many of my friends and colleagues at very senior levels in the United States government, retired in the military and so on, have all said the same thing. Admiral Jim Stavridis, who was former NATO Supreme Commander here in Europe, said the same thing just the other day. Uh, is in the uh, in the news again today on that very same subject, uh, and there are many many others who have sa- who have said, yeah, probably the right thing to do with regard to uh, taking out the uh, the Iranian general. But uh, do we know about the law of unintended consequences and what what's the what's the impact here? There were other opportunities, and this has come out. You know, previous presidents had opportunities to do this, and yes. they uh, were advised by their close advisors, who, incidentally, this gang of eight, you call it, uh, Mr. Trump, the president didn't consult, he normally does, uh, or a president normally would. Um, th- the the un- law actually provides, Jerry, 
The law provides. And so what we have is a president who's been impeached for breaking the law, then turning around and breaking the law again because the law requires that he consult with the the relevant uh, ministers, if you will, or secretaries in the yeah. government and the so-called gang of eight, the senior officials in both the House, and, House of Representatives and the Congress. The law says he has to do that, and he didn't do it again. So here's the thing. He's further threatened Iran to say that if you retaliate for this, we will come down like a ton of bricks. He's mentioned this numbers of 52 mm-hmm. targets, cultural spots he has across uh, Iran as well that he's intent hitting. John, there are so many people worried that we're facing a potential world war here. Well, they would be right to be worried. This has been the concern really ever since the United States left Vietnam and started turning its attention. I'm a Vietnam veteran, so I have Mm. a perspective on this. We left Vietnam a very long time ago, uh, and now we're turning turning around 50 years later and looking at what might be the next major conflict in the Middle East where we had expected that might be the case. Uh, It's, 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 there are, and there are reasons to be concerned here in Ireland. The, we know that nuclear weapons are available. Uh, We know that Israel has them, and I'll get back to Israel in just a moment, because this is, Israel is a key player in this as well. We know that uh, nuclear weapons are available. We know that uh, there appears to be no coherent strategy, and I underline the word no foreign policy and strategy going on in the White House. Um, and so it's random random announcements, policy made by, twi- by Twitter, with the president is sitting on the crapper in the White House doing foreign policy. And that is absolute madness. There's no justification for it whatsoever. How does that affect people in Ireland? Well, it affects people in Ireland this way. First of all, um, if there are serious weapons being being put off out there, a lot of that, that the, 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 um, the fallout can blow this way. So we've got, we've got to be concerned about just simply the after effects of that kind of thing happening here in Ireland. It's going to threaten our security. It's certainly going to threaten our ability to travel. And we, the Irish who like to get off this island, are going to discover that we won't be able to travel as easily or as safely as we have in the past. And the other thing, we'll be paying at the fuel pumps very, very oh, shortly absolutely. indeed, because that's going to come immediately with the way the price of the barrel of oil has, has shot through the, through the roof. Um, can I ask you this, as a, an Irish-American? You, you went and you've painted and you've told the story, let me say, brilliantly going back uh, from the beginning of American interest in the Middle East. America's producing more oil itself than it needs. You know, so <laughs> I ask you this question. They often say that the Yanks go where the oil is to protect the flow. But isn't that a fact today? They are. Well, sure. But in this case, the Yanks are protecting somebody else's oil. And you know whose that is? It's Russia's. Russia needs the oil. And who and where's the oil in Iraq and Iran going to? It's going to Russia. And so whose game is Donald Trump playing? He's not playing the American game. He's not playing anything that has to do with safety and security of the United States, including this American citizen sitting in front of you. He's playing the game for, for, for Mr. Putin in Russia. That's a complete irony to me in that they don't seem to get along. The, the Cold War is back on, so to speak, you know what I mean, between the USSR, Russia, and America in recent times. What do you mean by protecting the flow to Russia? Well, it's very simple. Um, first of all, you have, to, you have to be wary of what's called disinformation, that pe- things that people say in public are not, not necessarily what they mean, and that it's not necessarily that any of those things are true. 
what we do know is that Russia needs the oil. Now, it's, here's, here's Russia's problem in a nutshell. Russia has oil, but it can't get to it. It's hard to get to, difficult to extract, and it doesn't have the refining capacity to refine it. And that oil is up in the Arctic Circle. Now, for the listeners who want to do a little Googling, go take a look at the oil fields that Rosneft, which is the Russian oil company, owns up in the north north slope of Siberia. Huge oil reserves, huge gas reserves. That's the good news. Bad news, that's that's another generation in, term, in terms of production or more, and a lot of expense to get it out and get it produced and get it delivered. In the short run, Russia needs oil now, and where is that oil that they're getting? In two places. It's in Syria. Remember Syria? We were there recently. Mm-hmm. Well, why were the Russians interested, and why did the Russians move immediately into northeastern Syria when the, the Americans got out? And oh, by the way, stranded our friends and allies, the Kurds, and left them high and dry. The answer, again, was oil, because right behind what, what the Americans left behind in northeastern Syria were the oil fields. And what are the Russians doing now? They're working the oil fields. Same story in Iran, and, that, and the same story in Iraq. What's the currency in the Middle East? It's oil and it's money. And this game, Jerry, is all about oil and money. So really what you're saying to me, which further alarms me, is that the Middle East is nearly a plaything between two major world powers. Yes, I am saying that. Former U.S. Navy Commander John Shanahan is with me on late lunch. You know, the pennies only dropped as we just went to the break there. I can see the whole, I never made the connection. And, uh, of course, the Russian involvement in Trump's election. Yes. Yes. Mm. Um, What about Israel and where it sits? Like, Trump has backed Israel to the hilt. Well, he has. And um, that's a very important part of, of both the timing and the event itself. Um, The Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, is in serious trouble. He's been indicted uh, for criminal acts in Israel, um, having to do with money and and so on. So the Israelis have the goods on him and are ready to prosecute him, but he's still in office. And apparently, and I don't know the Israeli law well enough to speak too much on this, but I'll say what I know. He sought, before all of this took place, he sought a grant of immunity from the Knesset, which is the Israeli parliament, believing that if he could get immunity, he could remain in office. Uh, And he's been trying to hold together a fragile coalition of his Likud party and other conservatives. And so um, now with this defining event taking place in Iran, what's happened is that it's played to the strength that uh, Netanyahu needs. It essentially gives him a cause to go to the Israeli people and say, I'm your savior, I'm the man who's going to bail you out and you've got to keep me in office. And so we've done a huge favor for the Israelis in the process of all of this. But it would take possibly Iran to do something on Israel, to strike Israel or something, to cause a response. There won't be anything from Israel as a preemptive strike? Well, that's entirely possible. I wouldn't rule that out. The Israelis have said, and so have the Iranians, that uh, they are absolutely ready to go for one another. And in fact, I'll tell you about a conversation that isn't public knowledge. It happened that I was involved in it personally two years ago this time. The USS Mason came to Ireland to visit and it was to recall an historic event that took place in World War II. So I sat and was on that particular evening visiting with a member of the crew of the USS Mason. He was the fellow in the ship's combat information center who detected the, the Russian missile coming from Iran headed for the ship in the Straits of Hormuz. 
and fortunately caught it in enough time so that the Mason was able to deploy its anti-missile weapon systems and destroy the incoming missile. But had that missile landed, we'd have had our own international event already underway two years ago now. And so this is exactly the kind of concern that you have, Jerry, and that our listeners should be aware of as well. Yes, it, 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 sometimes uh, these major world events kick off inadvertently, and yes. something like that could just trigger it in, in, in a moment. Yes. It's a real, real concern. Back to the homeland, because you mentioned he is facing impeachment. This is an election year. Yes. Now, Taking taking him out of office it will be a big ask because the American economy is booming and the Americans are very happy about this. His support has waned. I was looking at the figures, certainly not as high as it was, but the Democrats don't seem to have, you know, coalesced round a single candidate yet. Bloomberg's in the race now. Biden leads the field. Who will it be? Who do they need? Well, if I had if I had the answer to that in my crystal ball with me, I'd be <laughs> I'd, I'd be a millionaire, I suppose, Jerry. But let me give you a few views on this. By Thanksgiving time, just now a couple of months ago, it was really clear to a lot of people, and it was certainly clear to me, that there was no clear front runner. Uh, in the Democratic Party. Now, uh, just full disclosure, uh, by tradition and by practice, I vote on the Democratic Party line, uh, and certainly I am no Trump supporter, uh, even under the best of times. And that goes back to the that goes back to the 90s when we knew that Donald Trump was a crook then in the city of New York when I was a New York City commissioner. So no, uh, no, uh, no love lost with Donald Trump going back for many, many years. But uh, by Thanksgiving time, we knew that the Democratic uh, ticket as it was shaping up, uh, was in trouble. Um, and when that became evident to somebody else, he made a decision. Uh, Mike Bloomberg, whom I have had the great privilege of knowing for uh, probably 30 years now, uh, stepped forward and said, it's time for me to get in this mess. Now, Mike is my age. Uh, he's, a, uh, he's an absolutely lovely man. He served three terms as mayor of the city of New York. He did so by Everybody's acclamation did a great job. He's a very open, straightforward, what you see is what you get kind of guy. Uh, and Mike has stepped forward now to, uh, to get involved in the race. Mike's not, Mike is self-financing the race, which is certainly well, he's well able to do because when your net worth is $56 billion, you can spend easily 10% of that uh, and not even make a dent in your bank account and absolutely bury your opposition. And Bloomberg is, is, has turned up the, the, the game full speed ahead. In fact, I was just uh, in contact not 15 minutes before I walked into the studio with this Texas campaign director uh, who's now ramping up the office in Texas. Um, so there, they opened the office last week in Times Square, the national headquarters. Bloomberg has been out on the hustings uh, for the last two weeks now, doing a great job. And so I think Mike Bloomberg is absolutely the horse to watch in the race that's up and coming. The big question is, though, when uh, voting day comes round, two choices, you know, Democrat, Republican, Trump, his four years gone by, Bloomberg, as you said, if he gets it, or if it's Biden or whoever, I hear, I detect what you're saying, you'd love to see Bloomberg being the man to take him on. Um, will there be a change? I hope there will be. I think there will be. Uh, but it's going to take a lot of work. And there are three major events between now and the election day. The first major event's coming up very quickly, two months away. That's called Super Tuesday. And Super Tuesday is the big Democratic primary day in the United States, 
when the candidates are going to get all shook out and we're going to see who the real front runner is. Bloomberg is targeting that date in a very serious way with the expectation that he can win the Super Tuesday votes. The second major event is the camp is the convention that will take place this summer. By the time the candidates get to the convention, uh, they've got to have the delegate votes all lined up from each of the 50 states and the various territories. Uh, Bloomberg's ground game will be prepared to get that done. And then finally, from the summer event, from the summer convention to the election on the first Tuesday of November, uh, that'll be the, uh, the that'll be the beach, beat Trump opportunity because then for the first time Bloomberg will be actually going head to head with Trump although I have to say and I'm delighted he's doing it he's actually campaigning now not against any of the other Democratic candidates he's campaigning against Trump now interesting interesting times ahead listen thank you for uh, dropping into us today to give your perspective as being someone who served in the forces who knows they're the protagonist in this whole situation but i think we finish on 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 a hope that please god this does not kick off well that's absolutely right the uh, the great seal of the united states has an eagle with with the arrows in one hand and the olive branches in the other and we want to make sure that the olive branches have every bit of an opportunity to be seen Commander John Shanahan, thank you for joining me in Late Lunch. Great. Thank you, Jerry. Christmas and New Year over. Many people overweight. January, the gyms are teeming. Diets, the order of the day, and everyone sets off with the very best of intentions. However, in many instances, it just doesn't last. Yes, month end or early spring, the wheels have come off the wagon. I've invited nutritionist Rachel Graham to join me once a week during the month of January to guide us to better health, listen to this, through the food we eat. You are so welcome back to Late Lunch. Happy New Year to you. Yes, and Happy New Year to you too. Great to see you. I'm delighted to have you back. Look, it's simple really, isn't it? Eat better, exercise, and you'll have better health. But yet, we don't seem to get it. No, I think obviously diet and exercise play a key role um, in in your health and also obviously if you're trying to lose weight. But there are also other factors that play a really key role um, in your health and also trying to lose weight. And that would be things like quality sleep. And a lot of people actually don't realise how important sleep is to their weight loss. In fact, I consider it one of my number one kind of weight loss weapons, as I think of it. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm sitting here aghast. You are telling me that shut eye and good shut eye and consistent shut eye yes. is one of the real cornerstones and keys to this. Yes, because, well, first of all, it's called good sleep hygiene, which basically means that you always go to bed more or less around the same time and you wake up at the same time you know, seven days a week. That basically trains your your uh, your body clock or your circadian rhythm to always be, you know, at the same level. Um, and this controls two very important hormones called ghrelin and leptin, which are your hunger hormone and your appetite hormone. And if you're not getting enough quality sleep, basically those levels of those hormones will drop and create a deficiency, which can cause two knock-on effects, which are not good for your health or weight loss. And that would be, number one, that you're craving all the wrong foods, like high calorific foods, high uh, so energy dense foods like sugar and fat, and also that you find yourself eating when you're not actually hungry. I eat with boredom at times. Is is that a common thing you would come across? Like if I if I'm if I'm bored, if I'm sitting there, if I'm doing, and you know my mm-hmm. mind is occupied in that, I'm fine. But if yeah. a little bit of boredom creeps in, 
I like to get something to yeah, eat. That's Cup of tea, that, slice of cake, yeah. packet of crisps. <laughs> well, you see, that's also fueled by, you know, whether you're eating sugar consistently throughout the day and you're spiking your blood sugars and your blood sugars will drop and then you are craving more of those kind of sugary, fatty, high-dense energy yeah. foods. So that really plays a key role as well. And also if you are eating consistently throughout the day. So if you have a breakfast, a lunch and a dinner and possibly two snacks, depending on your activity levels, then you won't feel that hunger late at night. But if you're not eating, so let's say you skip breakfast and maybe just go straight to a late lunch and maybe a bit <laughs> of dinner. You're reading my mind here today. Yeah. Are we on some other subject here? Are you getting deep into my psyche? Well, basically, your body's saying that it hasn't had enough calories. So that's why it's actually prompting you to eat later on at night. Come back to the sleep. And I want to, we're going to come out to this yeah. in a moment. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the uh, average adult, man or woman. How many hours do we need? Eight. Eight? Mm-hmm. Should we go to bed before midnight? Yes. How many hours before midnight? Well, the old saying is, you know, two hours before midnight is worth four after. But I would say if you can get into bed at around, depending on the time that you have to get up. I mean, this is obviously different for everybody, you know, but if you have to, let's say, be up at uh, 6 a.m., then you need to be actually turning the light off by about 10 p.m. So that's a good rule of thumb. Eight hours and you work back from the time you must rise in the morning and get those eight hours. And an hour before you go to bed, no screen time. So turn off the phone, you know, close the laptop, uh, read a book, pick up a magazine, do things like that instead, because the blue light that's emitted from phones is very stimulating and that will basically ruin your good quality. Television? The same thing, but not as bad as the the devices of that. Exactly. Okay, so that's what we need sleep wise to kick off or kick in with this better health that we yeah. all desire. You, yeah, you're just going to feel more energised. Okay. You're, you're not going to be reaching for the, you know, the, the, the stimulants like the sugar and the coffee mm. to keep you going. The sleep is a key. Now, I am looking at a container you have brought into this <laughs> studio today and I know from looking at folks, this container is a water container. Yes. It's massive. What, how much water does that uh, contain? 2.2 litres. And I fill it every single morning with filtered water. Sometimes I add in some slices of lime or lemon. And basically, it just signals to me that I need to finish that container every single day. And once I have, I know I've had my 2.2 litres of water. That's what we need to take water-wise. Well, I would say about 1.5 would be adequate. Minimum. Yeah. And then I like to have at least two litres because it just, you know, reduces my brain fog and it just actually gives me nice clear skin, all of those things. And do you spread that 2.2 out over the day? You have a glass and just move through the day. Exactly. It's always with me. What about tea and coffee besides the water? Do you drink tea or coffee? I do. I drink one really good, fabulous cup of coffee first thing in the morning. I absolutely love it. And then after that, I'm on herbal tea. That's it? Yeah. How many herbals would you have for the day? Maybe two. Not a whole lot. A green tea, possibly. And maybe um, in the evening time, I might have kind of like a sleep tea or something like that. I'd have one, two, three, four, five six teas in the day at least six cups of tea okay well is that bad it's not great <laughs> it's not I blame great. Louise Walsh are you alright for tea <laughs> she's great but she's always asking me do I want tea no I'm only joking I take it myself willingly I about six I'd say I would say start swapping out half of those for a herbal tea because green tea in particular is also brilliant for supporting fat burning. I've tasted it it does nothing for me okay well then if you don't like it then just have water water Yes. Okay. 
but but herbal tea is good. You're yeah, saying. absolutely, and specifically green tea because it contains a properties called catechins, which are really good for fat burning. Now, a lot of people this week and for the next weeks will go on these fad crash diets and mm. deny themselves like mad and at the same time try to exercise more. Yeah. Is that reason in itself why this doesn't work? Yeah, of course. I mean, you're just setting yourself up. It's a losing game, literally a losing game, because basically all you're doing there is losing water weight. You're not actually going to lose any fat. And it's also you're relying on willpower the whole time just to try and get you through. You're miserable. You know, you're probably low in energy because you're not consuming enough calories. And, you know, it's just uh, after the, the period of this kind of fad diet is over, you're going to have massive regain in terms of weight. So you're just it's it's not actually health focused at all. And this is all about being health focused. And there is a very easy way to be health focused and lose weight as well. And can you do it without any exercise? Can you, by getting the right amount of sleep, taking on board the right amount of water, cutting down on the stimulants, uh, eating as you're going to recommend with us over the next Mm -hmm. four weeks or so, Will you shed weight by that alone? Yes, you will. I mean, you if you reduce your calories by the you know um, recommended amount in order to lose, let's say, a pound of of fat a week, then yes, you will do that. But it's going to be much more enjoyable, and you're going to get many more benefits by exercising. In particular, the psychological benefits of okay. exercising. So it's good to combine yes. this with exercise yes. as well. Yeah. And even a small amount, if you can only fit in, say, 20 minutes a day mm. or half an hour every second day, yeah. better it's, than nothing. It's about being consistent. Okay. Consistency is really key because it's the, the small habits that you introduce on a daily basis that actually add up to the big results at the end. So this is more uh, a marathon than a mm-hmm. sprint. Exactly. Now... Let's begin to do this properly. You say getting your mindset in order is mm-hmm. the first thing. What do you mean by that? Uh, so set yourself a realistic goal, first of all. So if you want to lose, let's say, five kilos of weight, OK, set, give yourself five or six weeks to do that. OK, and a realistic goal for weight loss would be about a kilo a week, OK, which is about two pounds. And you can do that very simply by just reducing your daily calorie intake by about 500 calories, which is simple as simple as. And obviously, if you increase your exercise levels, then, you know, you can probably get away with, you know, a little bit, you know, 100 calories plus or minus of that. It would be absolutely fine. You know, so the more um, active you are the more, you know, uh, room you have basically for, you know, enjoying the odd indulgence and things like that. Are you better to actually write it down, put it down with a time frame and say, yeah, I'm going to go for this? Well, research has shown that pretty much if you write down your goals and put them in a place that's very visible in a high traffic area, i.e., let's say on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> nice place to put yes. it. Don't open the door, but read what's yes. on the outside. Well, just remind yourself constantly of what your goal is, what the what you know, what you're working towards. So, I mean, you wouldn't get into the car and, and head off on a long journey not knowing where you wanted to end up. 
So basically set yourself that goal saying, okay, I'm going to lose five kilos. I'm going to give myself five weeks to do it. Be very specific about it. What are the steps required to do this? I need to reduce my daily calorie intake by 500 calories. And how am I going to do that? Okay, I'm going to, let's say on days that I'm exercising, I'm going to have, let's say, more of my carbs, but good carbs. On days that I'm not exercising, i.e. my rest days, I'm going to have less carbs. And that is actually promoting your fat burning uh, hormones as well. Okay, let's begin. And I'm a bad example. (laughs) I smiled when you said to me about breakfast and that. Well, I tell you, we'll hold this for a second. I just see the clock. Let's take a short break. Rachel Graham is with us. And if you follow this lady with us on late lunch over the next month, she promises you that you're going to be in much better shape. If you want to join in the conversation, ask a question, you're welcome to do so. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. So you can call in on 1850-715-958. Rachel Graham is with me on Late Lunch and we'll sort you out, I promise you, for 2020. You'll be healthier than you've ever been in your life. Let's start with me as a bad example or anybody breakfast time. I'm a a cup of tea and a wee slice of toast with maybe a little marmalade on it in the mornings. That is it. I take nothing else. Mid-morning, I'd have a piece of fruit and maybe some water. And then before I come on air here, I'd have a sandwich maybe in a soup or just a sandwich on its own or a soup on its own as well. Mm -hmm. What about that to the midpoint of the day? Is it enough? Well, starting your your day like that with a slice of toast and butter and marmalade is not a good start because basically it's it's refined white carbs with sugar. So it's like two forms of sugar. So all you're doing is actually asking your body to release insulin, which is basically going to activate your hunger hormones as well. And you're going to have those blood sugar spikes. So what you want to do is have like a, a, a really satiating or filling uh, breakfast and really porridge is the best breakfast that you can have. Could I slice a banana and the porridge and maybe put a little touch of honey? Would you allow me a little? Yeah, of course. You know I love the local honey. <laughs> the and we've natural. Spoken of, yes, yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. So, so, so that'd be fine to kick the get Porridge the day would off. be great, exactly. To have your porridge and definitely put a little bit of banana and I would also encourage some blueberries. Okay. Um, cup of tea with that, okay? Yes. To start the day, no problem there. Yeah. If I want to vary it in the mornings, what about a pair of scrambled eggs or something yeah. or two eggs in a cup is, is that it with, with, with a piece of bread or something is that a decent start yeah it is eggs are a great start because they're high in fat and high in protein but the good kind of fats and also I would say um, even try and have some smoked salmon with that because you're going to have some uh, good protein and also your omega 3 fats which are really really beneficial as well so that is a very good breakfast option or if you don't want to have the fish you could have some sliced avocado or something like that as well what about the muesli's and the, the bran cereals, Weetabix, things like that? Well, of the three that you mentioned, Weetabix would be the, the healthiest option. Mm. But most muesli's and most uh, granolas and brands and things like that are very, very high in sugar. So you're actually better off making your own, which is incredibly simple. And um, so I do a, a meal prep class, which I also you know use that recipe in that class. So I can I can send that on to, to listeners if they want yeah, that. Yeah. But that's a really good low sugar option. So just be very careful with things like mueslis and granolas because they are also very calorific because the nuts, although they have healthy fats in them, they're, but they are, you know, 
uh, high in calories. So you want to be careful of things like that. So just have very measured spoons of those nuts and seeds when you're including them in your breakfast. So let's say <coughs> most people today have what we call lunch, something mm-hmm. light. We used to have our dinner when I yes, lived yes. the simpler life in yes. Ireland. We had our <laughs> breakfast and our dinner at lunchtime yes. and we had our little snack at mm-hmm. tea time. That's yeah. the way. I mean, we, and that's were, actually, we were all thin. Yes, that's actually a really healthy way of eating. It, there, weren't, there weren't the overweight obese people yes. in Ireland back in, in the 70s. No, They exactly. just weren't there and, and it, maybe it was to do with that, the, yeah. the way we ate. Come back to uh, between breakfast then and the sandwich or the soup at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. If I want something, what's a nice snack? A piece of fruit in the middle of the morning? Yeah, so um, one of my favourite snacks that I always recommend is called my apple donuts. So this would be apple with a little teaspoon of almond butter. So almond butter, you've got your healthy fats there um, and that combination, obviously high in protein with your apple, which is very high in fibre, is kind of like the secret sauce of weight loss because that combination keeps you full for longer and which will eventually lead to weight loss. So get yourself some almond butter and an apple, slice it up and just dip it in. And again, just be careful that you're not literally ladling the almond butter into you because remember, it's high in calories. (laughs) But um, that combination is really, really good. It's a great snack. secret, what did you call it? The secret sauce? The secret sauce sauce to weight loss. (laughs) You got this for free on late lunch today, you lucky folks. Think about that. And you're on your way. Come to then uh, the lunchtime. Mm. Soups, you have to watch the soups as well and what they have in them. Uh, you know, Are you having a homemade soup? Or? Well, I do try and homemade it. Homemade today, homemade okay. lovely chicken soup today uh, and yesterday. Yeah. I go for the Cully and Sully's or the Fusion mm-hmm. Street or those if I don't have, you know, yeah. my own homemade. Yeah, I would say if you can um, have a soup at lunchtime that has a lot of plant protein, so in the forms of beans, lentils, things like that. Loads of barley in mine, yes. carrots, celery, yeah. onion. Fabulous. I mean, that's a really great lunch then and very, very filling. I'm so. smiling from here to here. I've done something right today. Yeah. Uh, but but that type of thing. What about yeah. the sandwich at lunchtime? What, you know, if you're going to have a sambo, what do you mm-hmm. go for that's good? Um, well, something that's on a whole meal, whole grain brown bread. Um, that's the first thing and then just make sure that the filling doesn't contain a lot of mayonnaise or coleslaw or things like that so use things like hummus instead of of mayonnaise hummus is really good it's made with chickpeas and that's a good plant protein source or you could use mashed avocado which is also lovely as you know to keep the sandwich moist and then you can fill it with things like chicken and red onion tomatoes and maybe some nice spinach leaves or something like that so just make it as healthy as possible that is the key. But generally something along those lines at lunch hour. Afternoon again, right, we had the secret uh, in the morning for the snack. Yeah. What would you have in the afternoon if you want something to snack on between well, that and dinner time? Yeah, well, it depends. I mean, if you're at home and if you have access to a kitchen, you could have, you know, something like maybe popcorn would be another good option. As long as it's not the microwave popcorn, uh, you can have your own like organic popcorn kernels and do it yourself. And then you can add in beneficial things like the nutritional yeast yeast, which is really good, high in B12, and that's something you can buy in the health food shop. So it kind of makes cheesy popcorn. That would be really good. You can make a batch in, in advance, meal prep, and then keep it in an airtight container. And then you could, you know, kind of have a little cup of that as a good snack. And you could even transport that as well. So no salt or butter on the popcorn? Um, maybe a little bit of Himalayan salt, yes, because it's full of minerals, but certainly not the table salt. Okay. And butter, not great, no high in saturated fats. And of course, at any stage, different aspects of fruit. You mentioned apples there, oranges, mm-hmm. pears, yeah, anything so like that in the afternoon. Another piece of fruit. 
so I'd say a low sugar fruit option. So berries are fantastic. So they're a really great low sugar fruit option. So raspberries, blueberries, blackberries. Okay. And then in terms of um, like apples and pears, really, really high in fibre. And so anything that's high in fibre is your friend. Now, dinner time is the difficult time for a lot of people, especially with, you know, two people working in a house, yeah. be they uh, with or without children. If children, of course, you have more mouths to, to uh, think about as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, each day planning ahead, making sure you have mm. something nutritious, fulfilling and it's good. Yeah. It's easy to put a microwave meal in sure. the microwave yeah. to put something fast in the oven to order a takeaway. Yeah, exactly. And that is uh, probably the biggest barrier to change that I come across as a nutritional therapist. And, you know, this is actually where my meal prep class came from. Just trying to help families to um, get prepared, get ready and make it easier for them to eat healthily consistently throughout the week. And if you can just put aside two hours at the weekend to make up two or three dinners in advance and then make up individual components that you can assemble together to make up a dinner, you'll find your life so much easier. And it really can be a fun um, activity then for the family. You can get the kids involved, you know, in shopping and making and and cooking and stuff. So that's the key. Use time at the weekend to have your dinner time sorted during the week. And obviously then using a combination of the fridge and the freezer to make this happen during the week. And nearly everything can be successfully frozen and, you know, just to uh, then defrost um, on the day in, in the morning time before you leave for work, you can take it out and leave it in the fridge to defrost slowly. And then when you come home, you just take it out and then you put it into whatever pot, roasting tin or whatever yes, you need. So, to, to, to heat it up yeah, again. Yeah. Uh, a protein, vegetables and a carb on the plate. Yeah. Is that the combination? Yeah, more or less. I mean, that's simplifying it, but it's about the quality of the protein. It's obviously the quality of the carbs as well. So you want complex carbs. The complex carbs is everything that's brown. So brown rice, brown pasta. Those things are much more beneficial for you because they're high in fibre. They haven't had the fibre stripped out, which basically means they're giving you a lot more benefits. So and they're also not spiking your blood sugar. And this is the problem, that all the refined white flour in things like white pasta, white rice, all the high starchy foods. So even regular potatoes, although they're very, very good for you, but even just swapping those out occasionally for a sweet potato, which is higher in fibre, um, is is a much better choice. Mm, the sweet potato is lovely. And I'm just thinking about mm. the pasta. So you can prepare them in uh, 10 minutes exactly. fresh when you come in in the evenings as well. If you say you have a bolognese, if you have exactly. that ready, exactly. it's simple. Exactly. So it Exactly. And even a simple tray of, of root vegetables that you could roast at the weekend, you can actually split that up in three ways and have three different meals from that. So you could take one portion of it and add some tomatoes to it, blend it, and you've got a lovely kind of veggie tomato sauce that you could pour over some nice, you know, brown uh, fusilli, which is the curly pasta, and then just bake it in the oven with a little bit of mozzarella cheese. And the kids love that. Mm. You know, that's a really fast, simple, and all it takes is the amount of time to cook a bowl of pasta. Simple as. Should you stop the eating of you, let's say, have our dinners at between six and eight o'clock at night? Some people go that late because of home from yes, work. You know, yeah. let's say that's the window. Should that be it? Should you be finished then with eating for the, the day? Yeah, I mean, I recommend eating within a 12 hour window. So if you're up at 7am and have your breakfast at 7.30am, then your last meal should be at 7.30pm. Because giving your body that 12 hours to rest and repair and do its own housework is so beneficial for your overall long-term health. 
I think it's interesting because I was reading about Chris Evans the weekend and he's on this regime of an eight-hour window where he eats and he actually fasts for 16. Yeah, so I would say start with the 12-hour window and then if you find that's really working for you and some people really love it, you can stretch that out to 16 because the longer you stretch it out and create that fasting period, now you're in the realms of intermittent fasting. And intermittent fasting research has proven to be so effective at lowering uh, blood glucose. So for anybody dealing with things like pre diabetes, insulin resistance, these, you know, you know, it's a it's a um, an epidemic at the moment in this country with pre-diabetes. Um, and it's just all down to our poor dietary choices and lifestyle. We're all just too sedentary. Jerry, uh, it's very difficult, me being a vegetarian, to lose weight. Now, there you are. I have a perception in my head that if you're a vegetarian, mm. sure, it wouldn't be a bother to you. Thank you indeed for the uh, comment today. Can I book an appointment with Rachel for advice? Absolutely. Can we put you in touch with this lady? Sure. If you don't mind, we'll pass your number on to Rachel and yeah. you'll give yeah, her, give that absolutely. person a shout. Yeah, yeah, be course. delighted to no help problem. you. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Um, yeah. If you need something at night, <laughs> if the munchies get you, <laughs> the worst case scenario, Rachel, help me. What should I turn to? Well, do you like uh, savoury? Yes, okay. I'm a savoury person. You're a savoury guy. Okay, well, try the popcorn because I think that would be a really good choice for you. Okay. Okay, listen, we're up against the clock. You just want to mention something that you're starting soon before yeah. we go. so obviously January being the month of weight loss, I have a guided weight loss programme that's starting on Monday the 13th of January. And uh, you can find this programme on my website. It's uh, rachelgraham.ie and it's weight loss, uh, 21 day weight loss programme. And basically I um, have a group um, that I have all added into a private Facebook group. And in the f- private Facebook group, I am kind of like the virtual nutritionist yeah. and I you know help support them throughout their weight loss journey give them tips and tricks and I'll also do uh, maybe a couple of Facebook lives and maybe do a live little demo basically just keeps them accountable to me Are you full? Is that full? or uh, No it's not uh, full Can people yet. join? People so can join check it out on rachelgrahamnutrition.ie well, Just rachelgraham.ie rachelgraham.ie yeah. okay rachelgraham.ie mm-hmm. all the details are there yeah. and you will be back with me yes. on Monday the 13th exactly. to pick up this story yes. and sort of sort us out even further. It's been brilliant. Great to see you and we'll see you next Monday. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. Really appreciate it. See you then. Well, I tell you this wee story. And my next guest is a mead artist who was left absolutely flabbergasted when her tongue-in-cheek Father Jack edible creation won an international Christmas cake competition. There were over 700 entries from all around the world and a lot of them, of course, with the Christmas theme, but Jen Moran's cake won the day and she's with me on late lunch. You're welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. (laughs) I'm delighted for you because our Louise, just before Christmas, gave you a little hand, didn't she, she, here in LMFM? Yeah, a big hand, actually. She reached out to me during the competition and she asked, could she help in any way? Because I was winning this competition, but it was very tight competition. It was between Spain, Germany, India, America, these amazing cake artists from around the world who've been doing it for years. I've been baking for a year now and to my surprise, my cake was doing well. But uh, Louise reached out to me and said, Jen, I love your cake. Do you want me to maybe post it somewhere or if I can help you? And she did and she posted on here, LMFM. LMFM. Yeah, and my whole family were blown away. They couldn't (laughs) believe my cake was on the page on LMFM and it was just a crazy moment. And I hope it made 
the, the little difference that got you over the line I think, eventually. No, it definitely did. It definitely. I Fantastic. Only, I only won by a hundred, but that yes. hundred is well, you know, you won, you won. <laughs> Congratulations! Thank you. Tell us more about the cake. Where this idea came from? So, um, basically, I started baking to entertain myself because having three kids and I just I was at home and I was bored <laughs> bored ma'am <laughs> and I just baked a cake and I just said can I paint on this thing and can it be edible and I googled it and I could I went to super super value and I bought gels uh, to, so I drew I made this cake and I just painted on it and people told me it was good when I look back at it I don't think it's that good <laughs> but people are saying oh that's brilliant Jenny or oh, maybe you can make some money out of this so I said oh maybe I can <laughs> so I just kept at it and I just researched it and it just kind of so really spiraled. in a way yourself thought I would be, yeah, yeah. No, I would be. But by YouTube, I have to say, some some amazing artists help me. Of course. Yeah, and then books. It's a major medium for teaching so many things today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you took the tutorials there, made your creations, and people began to like them more and more. How did you hear about this Cake Flicks competition? So, um,. Oh, I just on on Facebook, I did. um, So it's a website on the Internet and every month you pay like 20 euro and they teach you how to make cakes. So 3D cakes or sponge vanilla cakes. And it's like um, Netflix, except cake flicks for people who want to learn how to make cake. It's (laughs) brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. (laughs) And um, so the man who owns it just put up a competition a few months back. It's been going on for six months and I was following it, but I never dreamt. I didn't want to enter it because all these big, celebrities in the cake world were in it who I loved even some Irish ones who I met through this and so only two weeks ago I said oh it was the Christmas competition I said I'll put my cake in it was um it wasn't even a Christmas cake I had a Christmas cake but I think I was joking to make myself off I lost it doesn't matter because you know so I put in the Father Ted cake and going and I wrote on top of it um oh sure isn't it the most Christmas thing uh, a drunk priest and some people were laughing at it and some people didn't get it and I yeah. said oh it's not a chance I'm going to win you know this is oh, it was fun though and then people wrote but then I won the first round and then I won the second round and then on Christmas Eve I wasn't winning so I turned off my phone because I was I was freaking out <laughs> so I turned off my phone I was with my family and I came back on and I was 90 behind but people were still writing to me and writing to me and I, and I was like oh oh no and it just kept going up there was like two hours left and it just root ru- like the likes and the votes just came up so fast and it just that was the it. rest is history yeah. you yeah. are the champion you won the Christmas <laughs> competition yeah. on cake flicks and your prize is prize is a free trip to Malaga to stay for a, a week and to have fun in the guy who owns cake flicks yeah. house I'm assuming and then to teach um, to do a tutorial a live tutorial on his website so you are now heading right up there to the top of the cake, the top tier. I'm a little the top tier, there. Very yeah, good. <laughs> of, of, of the cake. But tell us a bit about you because you you are an artist. You studied art. I, I am. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it all started back. I, and I didn't say this earlier on, but start back in primary school. So I was. I've been dyslexic my whole life, and school was hard for me. So my teachers would say, "You're so good at art," and they kind of put me aside. But it wasn't escape for me so I would go and I'd paint and I'd draw and that was my whole life in primary school and then secondary school as well my teachers were amazing and then I said I want to be an artist I want to be a painter that was my dream you know and then I went to college in Galway and that was amazing and then I managed to get a chance to go to Spain to study in Spain as well um, Valencia Spain 
and I'd done painting over there as well. So it was very You very loved nice. it there, didn't oh, you? Oh, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go back to Galway. I love Galway, but I could have stayed in Spain as well yes. for another five years. But sadly, I had to, had to finish You had course. to come back. Yeah, 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 I did. So w- when you leave college then, I suppose that's when you have to start trying to find your way and that yeah. ain't easy no. for people in the no. art sphere is no, it? No it was very hard it was very hard and I was I'm not business minded I still am and so for me it was I just I I, dro- I did drop it all I dropped painting for a few years for nearly 10 years now I stopped painting I stopped drawing I tried to do a few exhibitions in when I travelled it wasn't really going the right way for me so I gave it all up came home had three babies <laughs> Five, listen to this, five, three and two. Yeah, yeah. And they're outside at the moment. Yes, they're outside killing each other. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) there's no rest anyway. Is this a little break for you? This is, yeah, this is actually really nice. (laughs) I was sitting in there for 10 minutes, relaxing, you know. Ah, great, great, great. So, yeah, so that's it, the rest of history. I made a cake and it's just kind of gone a bit crazy. It's a wonderful story. Uh It really, really is. So, going back, like, Artie, with a real talent for this but never in the baking sphere at no. all anybody in your family previously you know be a good cook or baker or anything like that no nothing nothing so you're nothing. the first the one am, of a kind yeah, now in oh, your family you're one of a kind in bacon anyway <laughs> I've looked at some of your creations besides yeah. the father Ted yeah you're remarkable. Thank you so no, much. No, you are. Thank I mean, you. you have something really special here. You have, you have a real talent. No, you are putting the talent, you, you, you are teaching, yes? Yes, yeah, I'm trying to. <clears throat> so at the moment I am, I started teaching in Clain in a shop. It's a cake equipment shop called Deco Bake and I'm teaching ladies and men and whoever how to paint on cakes and make little figures out of edible edible medium so like modelling chocolate and stuff and yes. that's kind of where I'm at at the moment is trying to teach There's a little alcohol side oh, to this yeah. story isn't there <laughs> Tell me about alcohol, that yeah. because it is actually important to fixing yeah. colours yeah. on the food isn't it Yeah 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 No there is um, so funnily enough um, I have to answer this question a lot when I paint on cakes a lot of the time I have to use alcohol so I use vodka and gels so food colouring gels and you mix them up with the vodka and people go oh this is for my four year old I can't be giving my four year old vodka and I have to try and explain as technically as I can that it evaporates when I paint on the cake but sometimes people don't believe me yes. so I have to find other ways of painting on the cake but yeah so but it genuinely does evaporate does, you want to say yeah. that once I get it on the cake it, the it, it evaporates so it's just to get the colours mixed together but yeah now don't be ringing us in if you had a party for four year olds and they're all going to Lally for yeah, a, an hour it. or two it's that's nothing to do with this this at all but your imagination you know the, the creations you've come up with where does the, the inspiration for it come from Um, honestly I think it's from over the years I think I, although I never wrote down my ideas <clears throat> when I got a chance to paint again it just came flow, flowing back to me what I wanted to do the things I was interested in so of course Father Jack always loved the series I wanted to do it my partner was like do this you have to do this you know so I kind of do try and think on more of the crazier side because I think there's so much nice cakes out there and there's nothing wrong with nice cakes I love nice cakes that's the perfect but I do like to just be a bit crazy and out there just because Mm. that's what I like I like crazy cartoons and yeah. You know. Within the cake, though, of course, there is, you know, there's either a sponge or there's a rocky yes. road or there's something. Yeah. What do you love? What What do you love in terms of, you know, the body of the cake yes, to eat? Yeah. Oh, well, my favourite cake is something that I don't really bake that much is um, 
Black Forest Ghetto. Oh yeah, that's just my personal oh, favourite. Yeah, I made Oh my, <laughs> the fresh cream, the lovely oh. light sponge, oh. the cherries. Yes. Oh, you're you're hitting the all the right notes there as well. Um, but isn't it isn't a beautifully baked sponge? You yes. know, even a sponge with cream and jam that's beautifully baked. Yeah. A lovely cake yes. also. Oh, oh, well, that's it. You know, I'm saying that, but when I go on my Facebook and I just see a lovely um, Victorian sponge I I just want to eat it and I say yum <laughs> I need to bake more of them you know sure you, you know that's it you, you know, do now um, co- come back to baking and the whole you know there's been a huge boon in this with the Great British Bake Off yes, yeah, yeah. were you a fan of that did you watch that Mary Berry Paul Hollywood Mary's gone now Paul yeah. went to Channel 4 did, did you watch no, it no I did I did yeah. oh, I would now I never really thought about baking, but I was a fan of the Great British Bake Off. I loved watching it more mm. than I would any of other programs. So I did have it was always in the back of my head. I just never really thought of doing it. It just just randomly happened. Like Jennifer Moran's with me on late lunch, aka Bakey Cakey. I'm going to tell them you can look at these cakes right now because if you go to LMFM's Facebook page. The Father Jack is there. We've yeah, just put it up. Great. And the Halloween one. Just tell us what yeah. that one is, the theme of that. So, um, as I, I've been doing it for a few months and this um, artist uh, from Galway, cake artist, she's really well-renowned in Ireland. Um, she contacted me and she asked me, would I like to do a collaboration with some of international cake artists around the world? And this was the biggest thing I've gotten in my life. And um, besides cake flakes. <laughs> but uh, this, and I said, oh, that'd be amazing. So it's basically a collaboration from artists around the world and we got together to do a Halloween thing. So we all done different Halloween cakes. So mine was the vampire and with um, the story of uh, the lady from, I'm forgetting now, Psycho, the movie. Yes. And then their cakes, they all had different monsters and we all, we put all our cakes into a haunted house and we made a video and then it got on like, it gets on like some blogs and stuff and you kind of get your name out there yes, and through that yeah, which is, yeah. so anyway we're putting it up there it's up there at the moment if you want to have a look at what we're talking about today you're on your phone or near a computer check it out LMFM Facebook and you'll see what this wonderful lady comes up with um, from here on right you're going to Malaga yeah, uh, yeah. you're busy with the three boys yeah. as we know and you are teaching in Clane in yeah. County Kildare yeah. where do you see yourself going from here with this? Um, it's a hard one at the moment, but I, I would love to just push teaching. I'd love to travel around the world and teach in England and Berlin because that's where I want to reach out and do. It's always been teaching for me. I know I love painting, but I have always wanted to be a teacher. But I'll be honest with you, I'd love to make cakes for weddings and stuff. But that would be when the kids are all in school and a bit older. So that's the goal, you know, and wherever it takes me from there, I'll just be happy. I'm on the journey. I do know already you've been approached and you've been approached all the yeah, time by people to create for them, yes, haven't you? I am. Yeah, people. And I love that. And I, it makes me want to just go into it now because it'd be amazing to start up a proper bakery and to do these because people want my style and that's just blown me away like so people are contacting me on my Facebook all the time to do work for them but at the moment I don't have my license in the kitchen <laughs> so, yes. so that's where I am so I have to try and build myself up to have the equipment and the kitchen to be able to 
put it out into the real world besides giving it to my family and yeah. friends and collaboration. But isn't this an exciting time for you? And this lies ahead yeah. in the near enough future yeah. as well for yourself. In the meantime, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep doing the one-off pieces of, you know, of yeah. uh, like the Father Jack and the Halloween and the other ones that have been so yeah. successful for you? Yeah, I think for me, I think maybe because I was an art, I'd done art, I think I love just doing crazy cakes making them really extravagant and big and having the one off that I can really say I'm really happy with that and you know instead of making loads and loads um, I tried that and that was really hard and I commend anybody that can do that and send them out but uh, at the moment there's not a chance I'm going down that road yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know but I will I will in the future that's what I want to do but um, yeah no I'm happy doing my one off pieces and maybe doing collaborations with the artists I'm just enjoying it at the moment mm. that's kind of can people see your work? Bakey Cakey, is that... Yeah, it's Jens, J-E-N-S, Bakey Cakey. Jens, Bakey, B-A-K-I-E, C-A-K-I-E. Check her out there and you'll see what we're actually uh, talking about. I'm sure the three boys um, get their fingers in here they and do. there to the cakes, do they? Yep, yep. I have to <laughs> Photoshop some cakes. <laughs> you know, um, i done a Christmas one. It was the snowman walking in the air picture, painting. And my little fella, he was two at the time, came over with a fork when I turned my turned around and he stabbed it about three times and that was for somebody and I had a little cry. <laughs> I had to stick some more fondant into it, you know, so... They're sticky fingers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they lucky little fellas. Yeah. Anyway, Jennifer Morn, Bakey Cakey, Jen's Bakey Cakey, congratulations Thank on you your so big much. win. Enjoy Malaga and the very best luck for the future. You. you are a real talent. Aww. I say it again. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for, for joining me on the show. We're heading towards news and sport at three o'clock in the company of a woman who hasn't been eating many cakes lately. It's Adele. Your sister was at the Emirates last night. She was. She was. She was there with her husband, Martina. To see the Gooners. Yeah, to see them. She said they didn't do particularly well in the first half, but they came back. Is she a Leeds or an Arsenal fan? Arsenal. Oh, she follows Arsenal. Mm -hmm. So does her son, who's in Australia. So I think she went. They won 1 0. I watched the game. 
Leeds should have been out of sight at half time. They should have Leeds are that in bad. the championship, the division below the Premier mm. League, but they're they're top of it. They'll go up this year. They're real good side and they've a great manager in Bielsa. But they should have been out of sight. Arsenal were just the pits. I was shouting at the television. Now, <laughs> anyone heard me? Me there on my own. But at half time they went in, and you, you, you probably do you know they have a new manager, Arsenal. Oh, I've heard it. Arteta, speak about it. yeah, is a new manager. And at the end of the game, I laughed and they won nil. Pitch side reporter with the BBC went to a couple of the Arsenal players and said, what, what happened at halftime? <laughs> he shouted at us. <laughs> he shouted at us. Did you hear Arsenal have been sponsored by Mothercare next? <laughs> Babies. Soothers needed. Babies. I'd say he actually choked them for actually uh, <laughs> saying that. he. But I heard last night for the first time in 20-something years in the dressing rooms, in the Arsenal dressing rooms, from before Wenger took over you could hear the manager. He tore the place apart. I would have boxed the head of three or four of them coming in the dressing room last night. They were that bad. I'd have flattened them. And that's what Arsenal need. He he went mad in the dressing room last night with them. What a change in the second half. I'm inspired by this man already. That's what we want. A wow. bit more of that from the new manager. He shouted at us. So you think they were mollycoddled for oh, an over years? Oh, Spoiled brats, the whole lot of them. They just wanted up the backside with steel toe cap boots <laughs> from the manager, one and all. And they're going to get more of it. And there's going to be change. That's the that's the message coming out. I'd like out you to be my from, manager. Oh, I'll tell you. Ah, oh, come on. Aren't I, aren't I a softie? Yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah. But when it comes to sport and football and passion, it's a different story. Read your little verse. You have a lovely little verse there. I have found a little verse for all of us who are feeling a bit broke after Christmas. And it says... Um, 30 days has September, April, June and November. All the rest have 31, except for January, which has about 700. Because <laughs> it's payday is so far away. Wait, wait, because remember, the 31st, I don't need to remind you, do I, folks out there struggling and scrimping at the minute, eating everything you have in the freezer and in, yeah. or in tins in the press. It's the 31st of January is the Friday, is the final Friday of the month. And talking about tins in the press... Keep an eye on our social media tonight. Mm. We have a story about a tin in my press. Watch social media this evening. It could only happen to you. It could only happen to me. It could. I'm sure it's happened to many other people as well. But it involves a tin and a food item in my (laughs) kitchen. It'll be posted this evening on LMFM social media. Keep an eye on it. And we'd love you to respond. But more about that anon. Next up on the show... I was watching her on Claire Byrne live last night. Adrian Kennedy Campion was on talking about a 13-year-old son from County Mead, Jody, who went to the cinema in Dublin with his friends for the first time ever on his own. It nearly turned into tragedy. It really did. And we're going to hear from Adrian next. Jody Campion is 13 years of age. He's from County Mead. He's a fine sportsman and he headed off to the cinema with three of his friends for the first time ever on his own into Dublin recently. The movie was booked out, couldn't go to the movie so the guys decided to make their way back home and on that journey, well what transpired is frightening. His mum, Adrian Kennedy Campion is on the line. Good afternoon Adrian. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking our call. I watched you with Claire Byrne last night. My word, you made such an impact. For those who didn't see it, will you just remind them, Jody went, where was he going to the cinema? So he was, it's kind of like a coming of age thing in this family. There's five children here and Jody's the second youngest. Um, and it was his first little excursion on his own with his friends. In fact, it was all their first time. 
to go in. He's 13. He's in first year. And, um, you know, it, it's it's something that it, I would have considered safe. And um, I now I, di- I did have my reservations, but, I, you know, as a mom, you have to let them go. Mm. We're encouraged by everybody to get them off their Xboxes. There's only so much football he can play. And it was just another little outlet, a little trip for him. I mean, like I said last night on the Claire Byrne show, in fact, I'm really sorry that I broke down. I, I really wanted to be much stronger. I didn't know. I really didn't think that was going to happen. But obviously, I've been just so tense since the whole thing. And so I'm just angry. I'm just so angry that, you know, Ireland has come to this. Mm. The point that I was trying to, you know, make is that Jody is 13 and they were attacked and brutally assaulted by 14 and 15 year olds. And um, basically what happened was the movie was booked out. There was nothing else they wanted to see. And they decided to come back home. They were walking across the footbridge at Liffey Valley. Um, a bus had stopped, so hordes of people were walking up the ramp and had passed them by. They were going in the opposite direction. And two of the boys, there was four, there was Jody and three of his friends, and two of the boys who were walking ahead had realized that the, a gang of boys had turned around and was, was following them. Jody was with his little, little buddy, Senan, and they were immersed in conversation. They were happy out. You know, they were just coming back home. And... Next thing, a guy stood in Jody's path. Um, immediately, uh, I need to turn off that alarm. Can you hear that? No, you're all right. All right. So immediately, um, immediately, uh, uh, Jody noticed that three of them had their phones on video, and he knew because they had the lights on on the front of their phones. And you know. I know people, I, to me, everything is relative. Um, and I know there's much worse things happening out there. But these are, are children, like so, such young children to have to experience the five seconds of terror. And, you know, it was when he was relaying the story to me that I just became so upset because he just said to me, Mommy, I was terrified. Like, he, he knew what was going to follow. He knew they were dead. And another one of the gang members to start the row to give i guess another guy an excuse to start punching accused jody of calling one of them a faggot and next thing the uh, one of the guys drew out and punched my son to the back of his skull like with such force obviously he his glasses fell off and he fell to the ground um his little friend senan immediately uh, tried to help and the entire gang jumped on him. Uh, he was punched several times in the face. He was kicked in the back. He was kicked in the leg. And the other two boys that were with my son and Senan had already, uh, one, had, one was calling their father and the other, one was, or the other was trying to intervene but kept getting pushed back whilst they bet up Senan, who was on the ground. Jody had got to his feet and ran down the ramp um, and he, in, in fact, the scary thing is Jody's plan was to run out onto that N4. Like, only there was two older boys standing down at the bus stop. He went to them. They they headed up the ramp. And as soon as the gang of, I don't know what you'd call them. I'm trying to be Scumbags. careful. Here. Scumbags. Yeah. yeah, they fled as soon as they saw the older boys head towards them. Um Jody and uh, Senan were brought to uh, Mullingar Regional Hospital, actually, and um, Senan's injuries were, were soft tissue, but unfortunately, Jody's was a head injury, and the doctors deemed it necessary to 
observe him. So, you know, initially it was for four hours and then it was 24 hours and um, then it was the decision on whether to do a CAT scan or not. Um, I wasn't aware of this, but seemingly it's not a great thing to expose young children to such amounts of radiation, but unfortunately they did deem it necessary. Um, I kind of, I, I was kind of happy with that as well because I knew I was going to worry about a bleed. Now, when I say a lump on the back of his head, I'm talking, it was like somebody glued a golf ball to the back of his head. Like it was a severe, to the lower mm. back of his back of his mm. head. Shocking. Um, absolutely, absolutely shocking. Just so here's shocking. the thing about this. You live where in County Mead? I live in Enfield. In Enfield. County. And they were going into Liffey Valley, do, minding their own business, trying to make their way home, innocent to the world, and look what's happened to them. Now, the thing is, the three guys film this happening and obviously that film or that uh, thing is in circulation on social media. Surely now these people can be identified. Well, this is why I did what I did. In actual fact, it was my eldest daughter who tweeted about what happened. Um, there was at least three three people have that video and it was that the entire, like the children weren't robbed and this is what really got to me. I mean, when my husband rang me, I figured, okay, that's his shoes gone, his wallet gone, you know, whatever else. But it, w- it wasn't about robbing the kids because these guys, they have all that stuff. They, they, were, they weren't robbed. They were, it was purely to film cruelty put on to, young, to two young mm. boys. And what broke my heart is they were in the Christmas gear and they were all excited and it was the independence of going to Liffey Valley and it was, an, you know, it was just coming of age where... They, they're allowed a little bit more freedom, as nervous and all as I was, letting them go. But I, I never dreamt that anything like no, that. No, yeah. none of us do. We, 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 but as you say, it's a coming of age. They're growing up. They have to go out and face the world. But you never expect that this will happen. To, to, about both of them, how is Senin? Um, Senin is Senin is good. Um, uh, I believe he went back to school today. Um, I... Like, I can't talk highly enough to Senan. I mean, what he, he's a hero. He really is a hero. Yes. I mean, and so brave to have done what he did, you know. Um, and what about your lad? What about Jody? How is he? I'm not letting him back to school just yet. I just feel like I need to monitor him a little bit more. And I guess, uh, I just, I think because it was a head injury, I'm just more nervous. I'm just afraid of everything. I'm afraid of a slow bleed. I'm afraid of... Mm of loads of things, because I didn't witness, we don't really know the force behind the blow, apart from the lump on the back of his head, and we know that he was knocked out temporarily and, and sent to the ground. Yeah. But also, like, it just leads you to, to ask the question, if a 14 and 15-year-old gang of boys are doing this sort of cruelty, you know, at that age, what are they going to be doing at 18? Well, like, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what they're going to be doing. Let me jump in there. They're going to be doing what's going on uh, not far from where I sit here in this studio in Drogheda and in the ganglands of North Dublin and West Dublin and what was happening in Limerick a few years ago. That's what they're going to be doing. Yeah. That is the reality. That's where they're heading. And let me say this. It's the responsibility of parents. Your children are your responsibility. The book stops with parents. I agree. I agree. And I think that parents of kids under 16 who offend I think they should be hit where it hurts. And it, where it hurts all of us is money. If they are working, they should be fine. If they are unemployed, there should be a percentage of their dole money docked because it's, they only seem to react to, to you know, to, to, to money. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what the answer to this is. I mean, 
what I want, what I feel is, is that if that video circulates, and I, I know it's been circulating, we have a better chance of catching these perpetrators. And I would just love 10 minutes with the actual boy that hit my Yes. Son. That's what I want. And I can I understand that. And, and I'm sure many of our listeners today, we're getting lots of messages in uh, saying they're shocked to hear this story. It's people who didn't see it last night, they can't believe that 14, 15-year-olds, you may believe it, it has happened to another child. Be, time is going to be this, and I don't want to do it because I want to mention something. I said at the beginning, he's a fine sportsman. He's a goalkeeper with Drogheda United. That's right, that's right. And a very passionate goalkeeper with Drogheda United. I mean, all he has, he has school, he has his football, he has his Xbox. He's like every other normal, normal, normal child. I mean, these kids aren't normal. I don't believe they're normal. I, I mean, do you say that they're a victim of their parents and how they're brought up? Possibly. Mm. I, bl- I do blame, but I blame 100% their parents. I mean, and I also want to make an appeal out there. This is what I want to say. These kids are 14 and 15, and I would suspect they're still in school. Now, whether they mitch every second day or not, I do believe they went back to school today. So any teachers out there or any parents out there in the vicinity of where it happened, they have to attend school. If you see a child, like my son was hit so hard, the kid that hit him has to have a bruised hand. You know, call Mm. the guards in Lucan, tell them what they've noticed. Um, I believe there was... uh, in the in the in the melee as well, one of the perpetrators' jackets were torn, and it was I'm, I can, I'm not allowed to name the brand of the jacket, but it was a designer jacket, and it was torn. So any parents out there who noticed on the second day that their kids came home or their clothes were torn, or a child has a badly bruised hand, I have been advised that the child that hit my son will have a badly bruised hand. And from what we can gather, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think he hit him with his right with his right hand. Okay. A lot, lot of pointers there for people to look out for. And again, the social media, if anyone sees uh, or can lead uh, to uh, the people who uh, put up these uh, images, shocking images online, please do contact your local Garda station and let them know. It was Liffey Valley. What date did it happen again? Just remind us of the date. It, it happened on the 2nd of January. 2nd. The actual, the actual attack happened at 5 o'clock. Okay. 5 to 5, 5 o'clock. All right. Yeah. So, the, so, so there you are. Just, it was just. It was dusk, you know, so mm. I guess it wasn't broad daylight. But, um, you know, if you look at comments online, I'm looking, I'm following everything. And some people have come forward and did witness this. Um, so we're just we're just hopeful, hopeful. Really. Yes. Well, um, I I join in your appeals to anybody who has any information to come forward with it immediately. Identify these young people and they must be dealt with in the strongest possible way. It's as simple as that. I want to wish them all the best from all the footballing family here in the northeast and beyond because we come together. Uh, when something happens uh, to one of ours and I'm sure it won't be long until Jody is back in the colours of Drogheda United and playing in goals for the club again and we wish you and your husband and him and his siblings and uh, the little guy who was with him Senan, and the others involved all the very best. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you for joining me Adrian. Thank you indeed. That's Adrian Kennedy Campion speaking to me this afternoon. I think it's disgusting, Jerry. It's a shocking scenario to countenance in Ireland today, uh, says uh, another listener today. Uh, another one coming in. I know of a few lads that were jumped on just before boarding the train at a local station and they were robbed of their runners and new clothing. Isn't it shocking to contemplate this type of carry on and behaviour in Ireland today? It simply is not acceptable. 
End of story. Eddie's coming next uh, with the drive. We're on our way for a cup of water. See you tomorrow on Late Lunch at 1.30. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.